Surat Saba. Surat Saba is a Makki Surah or a Madni Surah? Madni. Interesting. Makki. Okay, good. Makki Surah. Alright. And I mentioned to you that from Surat Saba, a new group of Surahs begins. Right? Meaning a group of Makki Surahs. So, which Surah is after Surat Saba? Fatir. Fatir is Makki. Then? Yasin is Makki. Then? Safat, Saad, Zumar, Mu'min. Right? Fussilat, Shura, Zukhruf, Ad-Dukhan. These are all Makki Surahs. Alright? Next time I'm going to make you sing. Okay? Alright. And then these Surahs, they conclude with Madni Surahs. Which Madni Surahs? Muhammad, Fath, and Hujurat. Alright? So in these Surahs, we see that 13 are Makki and 3 are Madni. Which three are Madni? Muhammad, Fath, and Hujurat. Alright? Okay, let's begin from ayah number 15. Now another nation is mentioned. First, the example of Dawood alayhi salam, Sulaiman alayhi salam. Who were they? Those blessed with knowledge, with many worldly skills, with many blessings. And what is it that they were told to do? Shukr. And these servants of Allah, they showed shukr. Now the example of the people of Saba. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala blessed them with many blessings also. But what did they do? Instead of shukr, they did kufr. So as a result, the blessings that they were given were taken away. Allah says, لَقَدْ certainly كَانَ it was لِسَبَئٍ for Saba, meaning for the people of Saba. فِي مَسْكَنِهِمْ in their maskan. What is maskan? The place of living. Their dwelling place, their place of residence. There was for them ayah, a sign, a big lesson. Who were Saba? Saba is the name of an Arab qabila, an Arab tribe. Alright? And they were original pure Arabs, Arabul Ariba. Alright? They're not the Arabized Arabs, like the progeny of Ismail a.s. Because remember Ismail a.s. his father Ibrahim a.s. Where was he from? Iraq. He came to Arabia. Alright? These people, Saba, they were the original residents of this place. And they came from where? The south of Arabia, which is now called Yemen. Alright? So, where did this name Saba come from? Saba was one of their ancestors. Alright? In a hadith we learn that a man asked the Prophet ﷺ that, tell me about Saba. What was it? A land or a woman? Because there is a kingdom of Sheba, there is a queen of Sheba. You understand? There is a lot of stories out there about who these people were, where this name came from. So the Prophet ﷺ, he said, it was neither a land nor a woman. Alright? Saba was the name of neither a land nor a woman. It was a man. Saba was who? A man who had ten children. Six of whom went to Yemen and four of whom went to Asham. So six of his children, they went and settled where? In Yemen. And four of them settled where? In Asham. Now if you look at the map, Yemen is in the south of Arabia and Asham is in the north. Alright? So the people, the children of his who lived in Yemen, in the south of Arabia, obviously, their children turned into tribes and nations. So they traced their lineage back to who? Saba. 
And those who resided in the south of Arabia, in Yemen, they were known as the people of Saba, the kingdom of Saba. Now remember, in the story of Sulaiman earlier, we learned about the queen who ruled over them. She was one of the queens. She lived at a certain time. Her name was not Saba. You understand? She's known as the queen of Sheba because she was from the kingdom of Saba. And she embraced Islam. She visited Sulaiman with her people. They embraced Islam. Alright? So the people of Saba who lived here, Allah says, in their dwelling was a big sign for them. What sign? What lesson? In their kingdom, what lesson was it? Jannatan. They had two gardens. It doesn't mean literally only two gardens, but it means fields of gardens, orchards. Basically garden, what does that represent? Fertile land, produce, fruit. So they had fertile lands, gardens, where an yaminin on the right, washimalin and on the left. What does it mean by this? You see, Arabia is what? Desert. Even in the south of Arabia, Yemen, if you see pictures of Yemen, you'll see desert. Alright? And that means you need water desperately in order to survive. In fact, anywhere on the earth you need water to survive, right? But in a desert, you need it especially because if you don't have it, you can't live in one place. You're always on the go. You understand? So what happened that the people who lived here, they built a dam, a reservoir. And in that, what would they do? Whenever it would rain, the water would collect. And with that water, they managed to irrigate their lands. And when they irrigated their lands, what did they have? Fields and fields of crop, orchards, produce. That with the water, they had food. With the food, they got to trade. They had money. You understand? So their source of livelihood was what? It was the water. So this is why on the right side of the reservoir, there were Jannah, garden. On the left side, garden. Jannatan an yameen wa shimal. Gardens on the right and also on the left. And this is why the area was known as Ardul Jannatain, the land of the two gardens. And it is said that this was the capital of the kingdom of Sheba. Alright? Now this reservoir, this dam, there are different opinions by historians as to when exactly it was first built. Allahu alam when exactly it was first built. But it had to be fixed many times in the middle. Because any breach, what would it mean? The area would get flooded. Alright? So it had to be fixed many times in the middle. But eventually there was a time when there was a breach and it led to the end of this entire civilization. Because what happened? When this dam, there was a breach in it, the water came out. As it came out, the orchards, the fields were flooded. When they were flooded, what happened? The land was destroyed. No more produce. If there is no more produce, what are you going to trade with? What are you going to sell? What are you going to eat? What water are you going to drink? You understand? So they had a big lesson in the very home that they lived. And what was that? They had gardens on the right, on the left. And they were told, Kulu, eat. Mirrizqi rabbikum from the provision of your Lord. But remember, Washkurula, be grateful to Him. Why be grateful to Him? Because you have baldatun tayyibatun, a good land, warabbun ghafur, and a forgiving Lord. You have a balda. Balda 
Balad, city, land. That is tayyiba. What is tayyiba? Good, clean, favorable. Right? So you have a good land, fertile land, that grows your food. It's a source of income, source of livelihood for you. And you have a Lord who is forgiving. What more could you want? What more could you want? You see, when we ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for different things, one of the best du'as is, رَبَّنَا آتِنَا فِي الدُّنْيَا حَسَنَا وَفِي الْآخِرَةِ حَسَنَا Oh Allah, grant us good in this life and good in the next life also, in the hereafter also. So the people of Saba basically had it all. They had the blessings of this life. And they were told, be grateful. And then you will find your Lord to be forgiving. Any person who is given blessings in this life also, he is fortunate. He is fortunate, he is lucky. Because everyone is not given luxury, money, even food, basic necessities even. If you think about it, everybody does not have it easy. So a person who's been granted provision and safety and a good place to live in, who is he? Extremely fortunate. Extremely fortunate. Because if you compare such a person with the rest of humanity, you'll find that he is of the lucky few. And indeed, we are of those lucky few. Who have shelters, who have homes, who have food, who have clothing, who have education, safety. I mean, what not? We've got it all. Alhamdulillah. So what is necessary in this state then? What is necessary? وَاشْكُرُوا لَهُ Be grateful to Him. Because you have a Lord who is forgiving. So don't misuse these blessings. And don't forget the giver. But what happened to these people? Just like we do sometimes. We get too used to the blessings and we turn away from the one who gave them. Let's listen to the recitation of you verses. لَقَدْ كَانَ لِسَبَئٍ فِي مَسْكَنِهِمْ آيَةٍ جَنَّتَانِ عَنْ يَمِينٍ وَشِمَالٍ كُلُوا مِنْ رِزْقِ رَبِّكُمْ وَاشْكُرُوا لَهُ بَلْدَةٌ طَيِّبَةٌ وَرَبٌّ غَفُورٌ فَأَعْرَضُوا فَأَرْسَلْنَا عَلَيْهِمْ سَيْلَ الْعَرِمِ وَبَدَّلْنَاهُمْ وَبَدَّلْنَاهُمْ بِجَنَّتَيْهِمْ جَنَّتَيْنِ ذَوَاتَيْ أُكُلٍ خَمْطٍ وَأَثْلٍ وَشَيْءٍ مِّن سِدْرٍ قَلِيلٍ ذَلِكَ جَزَيْنَاهُمْ بِمَا كَفَرُوا وَهَلْ نُجَازِي إِلَّا الْكَفُورِ لَقَدْ كَانَ لِسَبَئٍ فِي مَسْكَنِهِمْ آيَةٍ Certainly there was for the people of Sabah in their dwelling place a sign. Maskan, from the root letters, seen kafnun, and maskan is a place of living. It's a place of sukun basically. And sukun is to become still, right? So maskan is the place where you come back to and that is where you rest. That is where you live. So your place of residence. And the word maskan applies to not just a house, but even the city or the area that a person is living in. So for the people of Saba, 
meaning for the kingdom of Sheba, there was in their dwelling place, what? A sign. What sign is this? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says that they had jannatani an yameenin wa shimal. They had gardens, two gardens on the right and also on the left. Right and left of what? Right and left of what? Of the dam that they had built. Alright? The water reservoir that they had in which they, they collected so much water and with that water they irrigated the lands. Alright? And which land was this? By the right of the reservoir as well as the left of it. And because these lands were well irrigated, as a result, the produce was a lot. So Jannatan, there were gardens on the right and on the left. And they were told, كُلُوا مِنْ رِزْقِ رَبِّكُمْ Eat of the provisions of your Lord and be grateful to Him. You have baldatun tayyibatun, a good land, warabbun ghafur, and a forgiving Lord. So why would you not enjoy the gifts that He has given you? Enjoy them. But while you enjoy them, also be grateful to Allah for these blessings. I mentioned to you earlier about the kingdom of Sheba. They were named after a man known as Saba. Alright? And Saba some of his children, they came and they settled in the area of Yemen. And this is where the kingdom of Sheba was. Alright? And because it's a desert area, life would be impossible without some water source. And since there was no natural source of water, what these people did was that they built a huge dam. Alright? And in that, all the rainwater would be collected. And it was in fact a lot of rainwater that would be collected over there. And with that, they irrigated their fields. And as a result, they had their source of livelihood. They had their trade. And they were very, very well off and well established nation. So much so that when the queen of Saba, remember when the Hudhud, he came to Sulaiman salam and he gave him the report, right, of the people of Saba. What did he say? That I found a woman ruling over these people and وَأُوتِيَتْ مِنْ كُلِّ شَيْءٍ And she has been given everything. Meaning they are a very rich, wealthy nation. Because they had produce. And secondly, they could also trade very easily. Alright? And their trade routes are also mentioned in the following verses. So, what is it that was expected of them? Shukr in return. Remember, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gives us blessings not because He wants something from us in return, because He's needy of it. No. He gives us blessings so that we use them and we fulfill the purpose of our existence. And what is the purpose of our existence? To worship Him. And gratitude is an essential part of worship. If you think about it, right at the beginning of the Qur'an, one of the first lessons we are taught is what? Of gratitude. Alhamdulillahi. Rabbil Alameen. All praise and thanks to Allah, the Creator, the Lord of the worlds. So what is expected of us in return is gratitude to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Because you see, it is gratitude that allows a person to be humble, that allows a person to be obedient, that allows love, that allows submissiveness. It's gratitude which is at the core. So, وَشْكُرُونَهُ Be grateful to Him. And when is it that a person can be grateful to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? When he remembers, when he realizes that the giver of these gifts is who? It is Allah. 
I did not obtain this myself with my own efforts only. Allah is the one who gave, who facilitated this. So washkurulahu, be grateful to Him. You see, there are two ways. When it comes to owning blessings, there are two ways. One is that we own the dunya. We own the things that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has given us. We own it, meaning we use it. And the other is that we are owned by the things that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has given. So when a person owns it, what does it mean? He uses it. He uses it in the way that Allah wants him to, in good work. Like we learned about Dawood alayhi salam, Sulaiman alayhi salam, that they were told, do amal salih, right? I'malu ala Dawooda shukra, work in gratefulness. And this is only possible when we, when we view the blessings that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has given us as a means of drawing even closer to Him, as a tool, as something that we use in order to worship Allah better. The other way is being owned by the dunya. That we are in so much love with the things that Allah has given us that we forget the giver. We forget the giver. We're so preoccupied with the blessings that Allah has given us that we forget to thank Allah. And this is problematic. So the people of Sabah were told that, كُلُوا مِنْ رِزْقِ رَبِّكُمْ Eat of the gifts of your Lord, the provision of your Lord, but be grateful to Him. You have... Every reason to enjoy these blessings because Allah is the one who's given them to you and you have a Lord who is forgiving. So part of gratitude is also turning to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, inaba, returning to Allah, that even when a person does make a mistake, he has hope in Allah that Allah is forgiving. Rabbun ghafur. Now we see over here at the beginning of the ayah that لَقَدْ كَانَ لِسَبَئِن فِي مَسْكَنِهِمْ ayah. In their land, in their dwelling place was a sign. What sign? A sign of what? A sign of what? If you think about it, the place where they lived in, was it possible to survive there? It wasn't. Except with what? With water. Right? So who is the one who allowed them, who gave them the ability to build this dam in the first place? And even if they built the dam, if Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala did not send rain, could they have water? No, they couldn't. So they, their livelihood depended on what? On rain. You understand? They could not have their crops, they could not trade unless and until they had water. They could not have water unless and until Allah sent rain. So their whole dwelling place reminded them it was an ayah for them of what? Of their dependency on who? On Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. The thing is that when we have you know, wealth, when we have different things of this world, we think that we have control over it. The reason why we forget to be grateful to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is that we forget that Allah is the one who has given this to us. You understand? We get so absorbed in enjoying the blessings that we forget the giver. But for this nation, it was very obvious. Every day reminded them that they were dependent on who? On their Lord. You understand? Recently I saw this child. Somebody gave them a gift and, you know, opened up the gift and enjoying, enjoying, you know, playing with the toys. And uh, the mother said to the child, aren't you going to thank the person who gave this to you? Why don't you make a card for them? 
And the child was looking at the mother as if it was something so strange that she was saying. Right? That what do you mean? I'm supposed to be playing with the toy. Why do I have to thank the person? And I mean, a child, it's understandable. Children, they need to be taught gratitude sometimes. But even as adults, sometimes what happens is that we are using huge blessings, extraordinary, unique blessings on a daily basis and we forget to thank Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. We get so absorbed in those blessings that we forget Allah. Really think about it. The blessing of safety. You know, if a person is safe, if they find safety in their street, in their home, in their city, in their country, that is a very unique blessing by the way. Because there aren't many people who feel secure in their homes. The blessing of health, the blessing of wealth, the blessing of knowledge, the blessing of technology. I mean, we've really taken blessings as for granted. So for the people of Sabah, Allah says, in their dwelling place was a sign for them. That you do not have this except that Allah has given this to you. So use it and also be grateful to your Lord. But what happened to these people? فَأَعْرَضُوا But they turned away. They turned away. From who? From Allah. They turned away, meaning they weren't thankful to Him. They did not show gratitude to Him. They forgot the Lord who gave them those very blessings. And the only time that they remembered Him was when they had some complaints. And really if you think about it, when is it that we remember Allah? When? When we have something to complain about. Really. When the phone is not working. When the finger gets cut. Right? You know, when there's snow, or you know, you're trapped somewhere, or you're studying hard. Generally, we tend to remember Allah when? When we are in difficulty. When we are enjoying those blessings, what is our attitude? فَأَعْرَضُوا They turned away, refusing to obey, refusing to show gratitude. They forgot Allah. فَأَرْسَلْنَا So we sent عَلَيْهِمْ on them سَيْلَ الْعَرِمِ The flood of the dam. Because in gratitude, what does that do? It destroys blessings. Because لَإِن شَكَرْتُمْ لَأَزِيدَنَّكُمْ If you're grateful, then I will increase for you. And if people are ungrateful, then the punishment is very Severe. So, فَأَرْسَلْنَا عَلَيْهِمْ سَيْلَ الْعَرِمْ سَيْل Sail is flood. And we read this word earlier also. أَسَلْنَا لَهُ عَيْنَ الْقِطْرِ For Sulaiman a.s. أَسَلْنَا لَهُ We cause to flow for him. So, sail is that which flows. Meaning a flood. Alright? Because flood water, it doesn't stay contained in one place. What happens? It overflows. And as it overflows, it, it turns into streams and so on and so forth. And the word al-arim, arim from the root letter is ain ramim, right? What does arim mean? Arim is a word that's used for a dam, right? A reservoir that has been constructed, man-made. So sail al-arim, meaning the very reservoir with which they irrigated their lands, what happened to that reservoir? It flooded. It got flooded. And when it got flooded, there were many breaches. And as a result, the water overflowed, it came into their fields. And as it came into their fields, it destroyed the crop. You see, it's very amazing. When it comes to plants, how much water do they need? A certain amount. Not less, not more. 
If it's less than the, the required amount, what's going to happen? It's going to dry out. It's not going to grow. And if it's more than the required amount, then what's going to happen? It's going to die. Isn't it? It's going to die. I'm really bad at looking after plants. It's just that they don't survive with me. Except for, you know, a plant that doesn't need to be watered for a long time or, you know, whatever. So anyway, this one plant I had, I watered it. And then I told my daughter, you water it also. So she started watering it and she put the whole jug in it, all right? And I thought, maybe she didn't put the whole jug in it. So I got another jug and I, I poured a little bit. And when I saw her jug, it was empty. And I'm wondering, why is the water leaking out of the plant? So it was basically flooded, literally. It was flooded and the plant died, all right? So what happened over here? Sail al-Arim. The dam was flooded. And as a result... The fields, the orchards, the gardens were destroyed. The word arim, ain ramim, is also used for a sail alladhi la yutaqu. Such a flood that cannot be stopped. That cannot be stopped. Meaning you have no power against it. You cannot stop it. You cannot control it. It just keeps flowing and flowing and flowing. And it just keeps taking everything that's in its way. And have we seen images and pictures of such floods? Yes, that even cars, they get picked up by the flood waters, right? Homes, buildings, they get picked up by the flood waters. And what happens? They're just swept away. So Sayyid al-Arim, it was such a powerful flood that it literally destroyed their lands. وَبَدَّلْنَاهُمْ And we replaced for them. بَدَّلَ يُبَدِّلُ To change, to replace. So we replaced for them بِجَنَّتَيْهِمْ With their two gardens. جَنَّتَيْن Two different gardens. Meaning now the scene was completely different. Previously the gardens were lush. Right? Previously the gardens were full of crop. Full of beautiful trees. Very fertile. And now what happened? These two gardens, they turned into completely two different lands. The landscape changed. Now, after the flood, what happened? The watay. These gardens were the watay. The watay is the dual of the word that. That, feminine of, dhu. What does dhu mean? Possessor, meaning one having, one bearing. So these gardens now were both bearing ukulin, fruit. But what kind of fruit? Khamtin, bitter. Khamt, kha, meem, ta. Khamt is basically used for an extremely bitter fruit, alright, which is basically inedible. It's so bitter that you cannot even eat it. Even if you try, you wouldn't be able to. And the word khamt is also used for every thorny plant. Meaning it's so thorny in the first place that picking its fruit would be impossible. And if you were to get some fruit off of it, what would happen? It would be so bitter that it would be inedible. So now these lands were producing such fruit that was extremely bitter, inedible. Wa and athlin, tamarisk. Meaning now what was growing in these fields were not fruit trees, such fruit that was edible, but instead athl. What is athl? Athl is used for tamarisk tree. Alright? The tamarisk tree is also known as salt cedar. Alright? And it's a kind of fruitless, thorny shrub. It's a shrub-like tree. 
Alright? But it's fruitless. It doesn't produce any fruit. And it's thorny. And it has thin branches and scale-like leaves. But what's interesting about this plant is that it consumes a lot of water. Alright? And it can grow in saline water also. And what it does is that it affects the soil. It affects the soil. And very few animals can actually feed on this plant. Another thing about this plant is that it spreads very quickly. This shrub, it spreads very quickly and almost completely replaces other species. So what happened now? This was the only plant, you could say it's like a weed. Alright? This was the only plant that could grow given how the land was flooded. It was ideal conditions for this plant because it takes a lot of water and these lands were now flooded. So basically, Ethel was thriving now. And as it was thriving, it completely took over the rest of the plants. Ethel. And now this Ethel, what did it produce? What fruit did it bring? Nothing. Could their animals eat it? No. Washayin. And one more thing that grew on these lands, in these gardens, was what? Washayin and something. Min Sidr, of Sidr. Sidr is lot tree. Alright? Lot tree, it has edible fruit, meaning very few. Qalilin. Qalilin, very few. So shayin, qalilin, min sidrin. Meaning very few sidr trees. So basically now the whole landscape changed. Previously, what was the case? These lands were a source of food. Right? A source of livelihood, income. Now what happened? After the flood, the crop was destroyed and other species like Ethel, they took over and the whole landscape changed. Now they could neither eat it, nor feed it, nor do anything with this plant. What changed over here? What changed over here? What was it that completely transformed the fate of this nation? What happened? It was their ingratitude. It was their ingratitude because of which their blessings were no longer preserved. Their blessings were no longer secured. The dam, which was a source of prosperity and livelihood for them, now became a means of destruction for them. They had life and wealth previously. Why? Because of the water of that dam. And now, what happened? They suffered great loss. Why? Because of the water of that dam. You see how the source was the same. It was the dam. Right? It was the reservoir. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala made that reservoir a source of livelihood for them. And He made that same reservoir a source of destruction for them. So it's not the reservoir that matters. What is it that matters? Is Allah pleased with us or not? Because while we might think that something is very good for us and we love it dearly, and because of it we even ignore the rights of Allah, it's quite possible that same thing becomes a means of torture and trouble and destruction for us. Because all of these things, what are they? They are a means. Alright? They're all a means. Either they can be a source of blessing or they can be a source of punishment. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala can bring two completely different results from the same thing. Shukr 
is what causes blessings to be secured. And ingratitude, kufr, is what causes blessings to be destroyed. Allah says, ذَلِكَ That جَزَيْنَاهُمْ We repaid them. Why? بِمَا كَفَرُوا Because they disbelieved. Now over here, remember that kufr doesn't just mean disbelief. Right? Kufr, when it's used in contrast to shukr, what does it mean? Ingratitude. This was their result. This was the result of what? Of their ingratitude. That the source of blessing turned into source of disaster. You see, previously we were given the example of Dawood a.s. Sulaiman a.s. How they were such grateful servants of Allah. And these people, what were they? Ungrateful servants of Allah. وَهَلْ nujazi. Allah says, وَهَلْ And do, nujazi. We repay illa al-kafur except the ungrateful. Meaning, do we ever recompense anyone in this way except that they are extremely ungrateful? Why would Allah convert blessings into a means of destruction? Why? Does He benefit from that? Allah does not benefit from that. Allah does not benefit by giving and He does not benefit by taking away. He doesn't benefit by the gratitude of His servants nor does He suffer any harm because of the ingratitude of the servants. But who is affected? It is we, it is us who is affected. It's the servants who are affected. So over here, هَلْ نُجَازِي إِلَّا الْكَفُورِ Meaning, a turn of blessings, when blessings are completely changed, They're lost. What is the reason for that? What's the reason for that? It is extreme ingratitude. وَهَلْ نُجَازِي إِلَّا الْكَفُورِ And this is where we really need to think about ourselves also. Because many times we think about our past. Right? Oh, those were the good old days. Those were the good old days when I enjoyed this, when I did this, when I went here, when I had so much freedom, when I could do this and this and this. And now... I'm in such a miserable state. You know, generally we do talk about these things. So we need to think that what is it that allowed me to enjoy so much in the past and now that blessing is gone. Why? What have I done? What have I done? Because Allah's treasures have not been reduced. Right? Allah's treasures have not been reduced. Allah's mercy has not reduced. Isn't it so? Because Allah's attributes, what are they? They are eternal. What has changed is what? Me. What has changed is my heart. My attitude with my Lord. The fault is where? It's in me. Because Allah says, وَهَلْ نُجَازِي إِلَّا الْكَفُورِ It is only the extremely ungrateful who are recompensed in this way. وَجَعَلْنَا And we had placed, meaning for this nation, for the nation of Sabah, we had placed بَيْنَهُمْ between them. Now their trade journeys are being mentioned. That before the destruction of the dam, how is it that these people traded? That we had placed between them وَبَيْنَ الْقُرَى And between the cities. قُرَى, plural of the word, قَرِيَة Between them and the other cities. Which other cities? The cities that they would travel to for the purpose of trade. Alright? Remember that the kingdom of Sheba, where was it? In the south of Arabia, which is now Yemen. Alright? And these people, they traded with what? With the cities of Asham. Because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says over here, Al-Qura 
أَلَّتِي بَارَكْنَا فِيهَا Those that we have blessed. And which land is it that, that is always described as the blessed land? It's the area of Asham. So they would travel over there in order to trade. Alright? But the trade journey, the trade route was so convenient for them, it was in their favor, so much so that Allah says that throughout this route, we have placed fiha in it, Quran ظاهرةً Quran cities, Quran plural of qariya, such cities that were ظاهرةً visible, ظاهرة ظهور ظاهر What does ظاهر mean? That which is apparent, that which is visible. Meaning throughout the trade route, okay, from Yemen to Syria, throughout there were so many cities along the way that basically their journey was always safe and secure. They never had to travel distances or stretches of land which were completely empty. That for days and days they wouldn't see any human population. No. It was such that they could literally travel in the morning, rest in the afternoon in one city. After their rest, they could travel again. And then they would stop in another city by nighttime and rest there. And in the morning, start their journey again. You understand? You know, for example, some highways, when you're driving on them, every few minutes, every so often, you find a a what? A stop, right? Gas station, restaurant, something or the other. But then there are other places where for miles and miles you don't see anything. Right? The next stop may be half an hour away. Maybe 45 minutes away. Isn't it? And even though 45 minutes is not really a long time, but it does get a little worrisome. What if somebody needs the bathroom? Right? What if we need something? Isn't it? So for these people, their traveling was so easy. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala had facilitated their journeying for them. وَقَدَّرْنَا And we had determined فِيهَا in it السَّيْرَ The travel The journey قَدَّرْنَا We determined Meaning we made it such that their journey was made very easy on them How? With all of these cities in the way So covering the distance was something very easy for them They didn't have to take a whole lot of supplies with them they didn't have to, you know, travel long distances without any stops in the middle. No. Their journey was made very easy. And they were told, Siru fiha. Siru travel fiha in it, meaning in the straight route. Layaliya, in the nights. Layali, plural of the word layl. Wa ayyaman and days, plural of the word yawm. So travel in the nights and travel in the days. Whatever time you choose to travel, you will travel as aminin, ones who are safe and secure. No fear of hunger, no fear of any bandits, you know, no fear of any danger. It's a safe trade route. If you think about it, traveling through the desert is very difficult. Isn't it? Traveling through the desert can be very, very difficult. Because it's possible that for days you really don't see another human being. You don't find a store, there's no access to water, nothing. So you have to take everything with you. Everything with you. Alright? Now if you think about it, these days, even if you're going on a long road trip, you can always take extra food with you, extra supplies with you, keep them cool, keep them hot. You know, somebody told me that long time ago, when they came to Canada, 
they went on a long road trip. Okay? So all through the states. And they had in their car a cattle. And 40 years ago when they came, there weren't many halal food options. Okay? So this person, they said that in the cattle, you know what we would boil? Eggs. Said we would boil eggs and then we would just have our eggs for breakfast, save money like that also. Just imagine, they made their tea, they made their eggs, everything in the cart. So easy. Now can you do that sitting on a camel? You can't do that. Your eggs would probably boil in the shell. Right? But anyway, traveling through the desert is very difficult. Now these people lived in Yemen, south of Arabia. Asham is in the north of Arabia. What's in the middle? Desert. That's where Makkah Medina is, right? In the middle is all desert. So what is this talking about? These people, when they travel to Asham, perhaps they travel through Africa. They crossed the Arabian Gulf by boat, all right? And then through Ethiopia, all right, through the countries in Africa, they went all the way. And this is probably very much likely because even in Ethiopia, there are many stories of the Queen of Sheba, you know, many legends. All right, So definitely they were connected with African kingdoms also of that time. So basically the message of this ayah is that their travel journeys were also very convenient. Very, very convenient. But what did they do? They got too tired of all that ease and convenience. 